Dream big for what we can do here. Let's not be small thinkers. Let's take what we have, let's use it to our advantage, let's come together as a group, and let's go do it together. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to the All Den Podcast. I am your host, Dan Scott, the voice of the Paladins. This is episode 48. And as always, we are very, very happy to have you with us as we take our look inside the world of Furman University men's basketball. Head coach Bob Ritchie will be joining us in just a moment. As we record this episode, the Paladins are sitting at 8-3 and three on the season and find themselves 2-0 and oh in Southern Conference play with a game coming up this Saturday. We're recording this on Thursday, so Saturday the 9th against VMI at Timmins Arena. And we're pressing forward to the first of the four games at Bon Secours Wellness Arena, the weekends at the well. January 16th is that first game against ETSU. And, of course, tickets are on sale at FermanPaladins.com. Those four games are the season ticket package in this COVID-impacted year. And the single-game tickets are also on sale now. We can get about 4,000 fans in Bon Secours Wellness Arena. So that's going to be your best opportunity to see the Paladins in person as long as things stay where they are right now in the COVID protocols here at Furman. I'll remind you of a couple of things. First of all, the uh, podcast is brought to you by Shortfields in downtown Traveler's Rest. Great restaurant, even better people. Shortfields.com is the website. You can find the menu and the operating hours there. And as always, if you have a question, uh, a comment, or a suggested topic for Head Coach Bob Ritchie, shoot me an email, dan.scott at furman.edu. That's dan.scott at furman.edu. Once again, this is episode 48 of the All Den Podcast. I'm Dan Scott, pleased as always to welcome in the head coach of the Furman men's basketball team, Bob Ritchie to the podcast and uh well i guess uh, first of all most appropriately happy new year we haven't done one of these since right before the uh the uh, calendar change so uh good to see you again in at least in in this context yeah absolutely you know new year 2021 and um you know so far from a basketball perspective it's been it's been good so far and um you know it's um 2020 was definitely a year to remember in a lot of different ways and uh, look forward to getting into the new year. Well, let's let's talk about where we have been since the last time we got together on the podcast. Uh, we had completed the non-conference portion of the schedule. So, two and zero in the league with uh, wins over Chattanooga and Mercer by four and three points respectively. And, and I, I think we talked, especially after the Chattanooga game, uh, if, if this is going to be an indication of what conference play is going to be like. Buckle up. Right, and it's been two pretty interesting games to start things off. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's just kind of what the league league has been, you know, the past few years. And um, you know, it's it's a lot of good programs, a lot of good coaches, a lot of continuity of, of style. And um, you know, you got to be ready to play every day. And I think with with no fans, I think that that's going to create another, you know, uh, an, uh, another variable that is going to make it even more important to make sure you show up every day because. There's not going to be the external energies of the crowd. And, um, you know, so you got to go put a 40 together and, and you got to do it on, on your virtues. You know, you got to go do it on on your behaviors and, um, you know, trying to get to 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 be in your best version in a 40 minute game uh, strictly just by winning possessions. And, and sometimes what can be, 
you know, low emotional environments. But so far, you know, we've, we've completed both missions and um, two, two very good games, played two very good opponents and, um, you know, excited to be 2-0 and with, with one of those wins being on the road. Yeah, the Chattanooga game uh, at the Roundhouse uh, in Chattanooga was was the conference opener, and uh, that's a good Chattanooga team. I know they stumbled right after we played them. They went and lost at VMI, but they, they won uh, last night to, to get their first conference win of the season. And, and Lamont Paris, is, he has, uh, in a short period of time, uh, gotten that program turned back around. He's done it in a very different way than, say, we do things here at Furman. He's gone heavy on the transfer side of things. But that's a very talented basketball team we beat in the opener. Yeah, they were. And, um, you know, it's, it was just, it was a situation where they've had a lot of roster fluctuation and, um, we found out on the bus ride over that, that Baptiste was going to be back. Who's their best player. And, you know, had been away from the team for a few weeks and, you know, they had also gotten the St. Louis transfer healthy, you know, Hankston that came in and hit, you know, what's, what felt like 10 threes on us. But in that, and that's another thing right now with, with everything going on, sometimes you don't know who's in, who's out. And, um, you know, Chattanooga goes up to VMI the next game and, and loses, but Hankston didn't play. And, and, and so, you know, nobody, it's just going to be, there's going to be these ups and downs all year in terms of personnel. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a, it was a good win in a lot of ways for us, Dan, because we didn't, we didn't make a bunch of threes. Um, you know, we had to do it through the paint and we, we figured that was going to be the case by how they defended us the last few years. And, um, and then we, we really had to sit down and get some critical stops in the clutch and, and also overcome some, some you know, fouling and, and Noah fouling out there late. We had a freshman in Garrett step up. So, you know, for them to be unbeaten, undefeated at the time, 9-0 and with wins at UAB and Middle Tennessee State, um, you know, that was, that was a great win for us. The, the Chattanooga team had a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, it was, it was, we, had to, we had to, like I said, adjust the game plan a little bit on the fly. We, we had anticipated Dooms playing. And Dooms is a really, really good penetrator, but, but not a great shooter. And, um, you know, we were going to be able to try to be a little bit more aggressive with ball screen coverages, knowing that we were going to be able to use his man to protect in the paint a little bit. And then when we found out that he wasn't playing, but Baptiste was playing, who was one of their best shooters, you know, we, we had to we had to change some things quickly. And, um, you know, we 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 didn't guard the three point point line particularly well, but, you know, we were able to come out there with a win and uh, always better to learn from a win than, than have to deal with a loss. One of the great things about this podcast is it allows us the opportunity to to go a little deeper into some things maybe that we, we touch on in a post-game or a pre-game interview. You told me uh, and Tom on the radio after Chattanooga that Noah fouls out five minutes to go, and then I think it was after we got when we got to that final media timeout, or maybe it was when you called that timeout. You told your team your culture – will win this game for you if you allow it to. It, what, what did you mean by that? And, and obviously, Furman did go on to win that basketball game. Just let, let's go a little deeper into that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that was more – that was a comment more about us than it was, you know, against Chattanooga. It was more about us just trying to realign our team to, to our virtues and, and, and what we believe in, in in that hard moment, right? And I think that – it's sometimes when you're in those moments, one of your best players fouls out at the time when I told the team that we were, we were down and, um, you know, I was just trying to quick, quickly realign them to what we, what we believe in and what we want our behaviors to look like. 
And we weren't necessarily stringing stops together at the time. We weren't playing as connected on defense as we needed to. We were on offense, but but I wanted to make sure that connection was present. And I wanted them to understand that, hey, this this game's in the balance and, and we got to be connected and we got to be tight. And, and if we understand that that's going to be just as critical, if not more critical than the schemes that we go out there and run, I was hoping that that could refocus them. And, um, you know, fortunately it did. I mean, we put together some stops and, you know, they, they like we've like we've alluded to, Dan, they, they hit 13 threes on us. But I think one thing that hadn't been discussed as much, you know, post game with that is is they were one for seven on their last seven attempts. And and so in the clutch of the game, I think that we were able, you know, we, we, we struggled to get three stops in a row in that game. We only got it one time until the last four minute media. We got it again. So the first four minutes and the last four minutes. And um, and so I was just trying to pull those guys together. And, and I think you saw it. I thought I thought our huddles were tight. I thought our mannerisms were good. You know, I didn't want us to have a spirit of fear. I want us to go out there and, and play with a, a spirit of, you know, being brave and um, and making sure that we understood this is how we had to go do it. And uh, fortunately, they did that. Yeah, Tom brought that up uh, in, in that postgame interview. I recall that that you did hold them to one out of seven uh, from the three-point line uh, in, in their final seven attempts. And, and the, the, the casual fan who maybe doesn't understand uh, the the nuances of the game may say, okay, if you could do it in the final three minutes, why couldn't you do it in the previous thirty seven or or whatever it was? But but the game doesn't really work that way, does it? I mean, it's you know we would all love that, you know, like I mean, seriously, I mean, if we could if we could get a stop every possession, that'd be great. But this is this is Division One basketball, and um, you know, coaches have good schemes and and they have good players in Chattanooga. You know, they were they were putting five shooters on the court a lot. And, you know, that's that when when Hankston gets going like that, we know what Kenneth can do. We saw him hit four or five threes last year when we played him. And then you got Baptiste out there, you got Caldwell out there, and you got Smith out there. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough situation. And it presents a lot of challenges in terms of how you've got to go out there and defend them. And um, you know, so yeah, I mean, of course our guys wanted to be better, but you know, we uh we got we got the job done, and you know it's it's one of those situations where we're having to ride that balance with these kids a little bit with some of this outside noise that just thinks that we're supposed to win all these games by twenty. I mean it's it's just not realistic, and um, you know even when you go and look at two years ago when Wofford went eighteen and zero, I mean I remember I mean heck our game in Spartanburg we were up with a minute to go. Um, I think Sanford was up in Spartanburg and, you know, you know, had to had to make this big run to come back. And, you know, it's just there's going to be ups and downs of the season. Some games are going to shoot it better. Some games you're going to have to defend more. Do you win the game? And and that's what I want our kids focused on. Not not by, oh, well, you won by this or you won by that. It's did you win the game and did you focus on the things necessary to win the game? And, and that's where we want that's where we want our kids thinking right now. Do coaches and, and players from your experience sometimes fall in, into the trap that, that fans and, and, and we in the media are apt to fall into, and that is being so focused on mistakes that you make that you don't always give the opposition the credit they deserve when they do something well? Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, and I, and I think that goes with, you know, I think good coaching is making sure that you focus on the direction of your program, you know, and, and what are the things that you're doing well? What are the things that you have to improve on and, and not getting focused so much on the opposition as much? And so I think there I think there's a natural, you know, that can be a strength and a weakness. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where 
there's like in that game, I mean, if a team hits 13 threes on you, some of that's going to be your defense, but some of that also could be, they shot it well that day. And, and they had some guys that were in their home gym and, you know, they made, I mean, Baptiste, Baptiste, you know, squares Noah down and uh, jabs at him and then just shoots it right in his face. And, and you know, I didn't realize it until I looked at it on film. I'm like, I'm, I was sitting there thinking, you know, did Noah get his hand up and I watched it on film? I mean, Noah's in great garden position and the, the, the player just makes a great shot. And, um, you know, they got momentum in their home gym. And so, you know, it's 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 one of those things where Chattanooga, they, they don't they don't become nine and oh by not being a good ball club. And um, I think that's one of those situations where, you know, we, we were just thrilled to get out there with a win and, um, you know, especially a road win. Those are gold, as we all know. This is episode 48 of the All Den podcast with head coach Bob Ritchie. I'm Dan Scott. Uh, Mercer was the next opponent and the last game we've played. Uh, 83-80 victory uh, in the first conference game at Timmins Arena. Had an 18-point lead uh, with 12.03 to go in that game, and, and things got a little hairy. But as you discussed a moment ago, the, the bottom line is that you got the win. That's the most important thing that matters. And it's always great as a coach when you can correct issues after a win instead of after a loss. Yeah, you know, and, and watching that that game on film, Dan, I mean, it's um... – we played some really good basketball in some stretches of that game. And, you know, I think that that was, it was one of those situations where, again, that team's beating Georgia Tech. Uh, they beat Georgia State. You know, they came in here, I think, seven and two. And um, Greg's done a great job with that team. I, I think there was, as I watched it, there was a lot more that needed to be noted that we were actually up 18 at one point, as opposed to focusing on the fact that we just won by three. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the lead, the lead, I mean, the game, Mercer came out and they got off to a fast start. We were down seven. We called the timeout. We, we get it to even. And, and really, Dan, one of the big stretches of that game was the last minute of the first half. I mean, we were, we were just up, you know, three or four points maybe. And we stretched that thing out really, really quickly. And, um, you know, Noah got the steal and the dunk. And then Mike gets the offensive rebound right at the buzzer. It was, it was a really, really good push to end the half. And then we came out in the second half. And I'm not sure, you know, that first 12 minutes, if we could have played much better. And and then I think it was a little bit just human nature. You know, we, we thought the game was over. We were playing well. Uh, things were clicking. And then, um, you know, we just lost detail. We just, we, we let them score too quickly in transition. And then we started fouling. And um, we, we allowed them to get some stuff done at the free throw line that, you know, really, to be honest with you, um, you know, shorten the game. He slowed the game down. And then I think, I think I, um, I think I might've had some fault in that too. I think, I think in the first half, I think I overplayed a few guys and, um, you know, I think some guys kind of wore down late a little bit. You could kind of see it on film, just some fatigue set in, you know, just some, just some uncharacteristic, you know, the, the shot that Alex shoots late, uh, that doesn't even hit the rim. I mean, that's, he's, he's one of our best shooters. And then, seeing some of the defensive mishaps, especially in transition. I think me playing two guys 18 minutes and one guy 19 minutes in the first half, it's it's too much in those conference games that you're going to have to play for 40. And that's where I've got to trust our depth. And um, I know I have to do better there. I have to have a little bit more patience there. And um, that's why we've been working really hard to try to to try to get that right. And um, I'm going to I'm going to have to just trust it. The other thing you referenced in the postgame uh, interview on the radio was the fact that late in the ball game you were so uh, intensely guarding 
the, the three-point line that they were able to slip back door on you and, and get three or four layups. And I know that's, that's one of the things you said you wanted to kind of work on this week in practice. Yeah, you know, Dan, I mean, that, that's not – we don't have any coverage that allows for that. So that was that was just complete defensive miscues, um, you know, and, and I don't want to I don't want to point out individual guys in that. But just, you know, we, we, we know who's got the coverage on that and, and who's got the tags on that. And we, we got into a little bit of uh, we don't want them to guard three. So we just started standing by our guy and, um, you know, really, really didn't play good connected defense. But, you know, it, it was that, you know, those two roles, it was quick, quick shots in transition. Uh, Cummings got the three off the free throw line on on the left wing there in transition. It kind of started it. And then, you know, we fouled two three-point shooters. Um, and, and so you put them on the line for six points there. We fouled a couple other guys. You know, the clock just stops. And so I think it was – I think it was the coverages. I think it was – I think it was bad fouling. Um, and then also, to be honest with you, offensively, you know, sure, you can say, man, we took a couple quicker shots than we needed to. But, man, we had some wide-open shots there late and um, just didn't connect on them, you know, just didn't connect on them. And, um, you know, I think a few possessions, probably especially in the last three minutes, probably should have been a little bit more patient. But there's there's a fine line there, you know, that that when you decide to take the air out and you really play for the last five seconds of the shot clock, you better get it going. And um, because if not, you're going to put them in transition and then you're going to tighten up a little bit because you're not scoring. And so – we try to ride that, ride that fine line of, you know, staying aggressive, keep the ball moving, do what we do, but also be cognizant of the clock. Episode 48 of the All Den Podcast with head coach Bob Ritchie. Um, all right, so, got the win. You're 2-0 in the league. We're supposed to play last night. Again, we're recording this on, on Thursday morning. Uh, we're supposed to play last night, but uh, Western Carolina's been hit with some some COVID issues. So the first time we get affected by it, it's because of of somebody else's issues, uh, and and thankfully not inside Furman's program. Uh, but it, it it's given you some extra time this week, uh, in theory anyway, that that you wouldn't have had, and, and a lot of times don't get during the season. What uh, what are you trying to get accomplished during this week between games? Well, I think it's um, you know you, you look at it and in the in the off in the non conference schedule, you know when this happened with Richmond, we were able to fill it with another non conference game, but in conference, you know you really don't have the ability to do that. It all runs to the league, and so it's um, you know we kind of used it as a bye week, and you know we wanted to give them Sunday off and then get back to work Monday and Tuesday with with two Furman days, you know two days that we could really focus on getting us better. And then take yesterday off and then get back to two-day prep today and tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, without going into too much detail, Dan, we had a little bit of a COVID scare. Uh, ended up being a false positive, but it took some. It took a round of five tests to confirm that, and we had to wait um, until then. So our plan got disrupted by, by about a day, and um, you know we ended up we ended up having a really good practice on Monday, and then we had to take Tuesday off, and um, you know just just to. On, on some precautionary measures, but everything was, everything ended up being fine. And, um, you know, for everybody listening, I mean, we, we did four tests to confirm it. So um, it's, it, our training staff has done a, from, a remarkable job with all this, but we were able to get back to work yesterday. The unique part is I'm, I'm really routine driven in how I do things and, and, you know, our prep and the days and what day it is and what we do on that day. We, we don't do a lot of three day clumps before a game. 
Um, you know, usually we, we like to have a day off or have played a game going into a two day prep. And so three days in a row is a little bit different for us. So, you know, we've, we've had to change it up from our original plan, but I think the mission is still the same in this week. We got to get more consistent defensively. Um, we've got to get this depth figured out. And I know the fans are tired of hearing me say that because it sounds like it's repetitive. I do believe in our depth. I think some of this is my fault because I just, I've got to have more patience with these young guys and I've just got to go trust it and I've got to let them do it. Um, but I, I think they're good enough. And so we've gotten them a ton of reps this week. We're going to continue to get them a ton of reps. And, um, and then we've been able to have a, a lot of individual attention with our guys. So we'll, uh, we'll start to focus on VMI today and, um, you know, and, and really tighten up that game prep tomorrow. And then hopefully we're going to have a fresh, excited ball club out there ready to play on Saturday. So let's talk a little bit about this VMI club uh, that's coming in here uh, on Saturday. Uh, Dan Earl has, has, has been there long enough now, I think four or five years, to start to establish what he wants that program to look like. And, man, this has been a dangerous basketball team uh, in, in, in a lot of different ways over the years. And we saw it up close and personal last year at Timmins Arena, a game that, that uh, the Paladins had to win it in overtime. What, what does this current edition of VMI look like? You know, Dan's done a great job. I mean, he really has. And um, they, they play, I mean, he's a really good coach and they play really hard. Uh, they've got a great scheme and, you know, they, they just, they, they make the prep tough. And, um, you know, they've got the matchup zone that's unique. They've got a one, two, two that kind of drops into it. And then offensively, they got great concepts through spacing, um, some similar concepts to what we do here. And um, they've got great ball movement, and they've got they've got some they've got some guys that can really shoot the ball on the edges, and so it just presents a lot of challenges. And um, you know, you, you look at the the two league games they've had. One's been a win versus Chattanooga, and you know was at home, and they played really well. And then you know you watch the Sanford game, and you think, okay, well they lost by you know thirteen or whatnot. But then you watch the game, and I mean they missed a ton of wide open shots, and. Um, they had the game right there in, in the margin. I think they had cut it to four or five after being down 19. And then, you know, Sanford gets an offensive rebound, scores at the free throw line, and then hits a three in transition to push it back out. But, you know, what you can see is they've got their their their, their culture and their continuity of system is, is having some good residual to where year to year, I mean, they're just – they just look like they're just getting more confident in how they have to play. And um, they're going to be at it. They're going to be at a play with anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm fully convicted of it and I've seen it. I mean, they, to be honest with you last year, Dan, I mean, us, ETSU, Greensboro, I mean, they could have beat all of us. And, um, you know, they've, they've just, they're confident and convicted in how they have to play. And so we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for it. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that our guys will be focused in, especially after the game here last year that, you know, even watching it the other day, I mean, George's shot was just incredible. I mean, it was just, I mean, he, it was incredible. I mean, he was off balance, and um, I don't think the thing touched the rim. I mean, it just went right in there, and then over time we were able to get the, the win, but it, was, it, it wasn't looking good. And so um, we've got to make sure our focus is right. We've got to make sure that we're uh, completely locked in to our game plan and uh, go out there and play well on Saturday. Coming off of his performance last week, uh, Mike Bothwell was named the uh, Southern Conference Player of the Week, and it's really just an extension of the the kind of start to this season this kid has had. He's been really, really good for you. Yeah, I mean, Mike's a really good player. I mean, he's – but more importantly, Mike's just a great person. And, um, you know, I think that 
his person is what's allowed him to improve at the rate that he has. And, you know, it's, it's just been really neat to see his growth. And I know we talk about that a lot. His growth has been, his growth has been impressive, but it, it was, it came from a great base and, you know, his parents, his support system, his high school program, his high school coaches, um, just, just the character that he has. And, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it this week because, you know, some, some of our, you know, in particular, Joe Anderson has, has struggled a little bit more than we all would have liked and myself, himself and everybody included, you know, we, we all were hoping that he would have a little bit of a faster start and be a little bit more acclimated at this point. But, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, I was meeting with him this week and I just reminded him, I said, you know, two years ago, we, we put Mike on the bench and he had some DMPs, you know, and now two years later, I mean, arguably right now he's, he's, the best, if not one of the best guards in the league. And and so that process of understanding, you know, that I've got to change some habits that I've got, I've got to make some adjustments. I've got to work a little bit harder, you know, going through that and, and, and that humility that you can find with that, I think is so critical to their growth. But this, this wasn't just some overnight sensation. This wasn't a deal where, you know, everything's been great for Mike. I mean, he, he had a ton of adversity his freshman year. And then last year, you know, didn't start, uh, stats probably probably had a case for him deserving to start in a lot of ways, but didn't, and then started starting later in the year. Um, and so it's it's just another neat story of just blooming where you're planted and and not getting impatient, but but understanding how important process is, understanding how important habits are, and um, and seeing that growth all the way through. Uh, he's fun to watch, and uh, he's playing the game the right way. He's complete. Uh, he's doing it on both ends of the floor. He's, he's got great defensive numbers. He's got phenomenal offensive numbers. Uh, and, and, and the teammate that he's being right now uh, is, is the leader that you want that you want in your program and on your team. Bob, I wonder if this is something that you thought about, and, and knowing you, I'm going to guess the answer is no. But, but uh, Tom and I were actually talking about this the other day and, and just kind of looking at the landscape of the Southern Conference as a whole and, and the way the nature of your profession works uh, at, at uh, your fourth season you're in the upper echelon of the longest tenured coaches in this league I mean if you, if you take a look at it uh, Jay McCauley's in his second year at Wofford uh, Mercer's head coach in his first year ETSU's head coach in his first year Samford in his first year um, Western Carolina third year uh, Lamont Paris uh, at Chattanooga four years uh, Wes Miller now at either 10 or 11 is the longest tenured coach in this league, uh, so you're, you're kind of a graybeard uh, as far as uh, tenure goes in this league. Is, is that something that's even crossed your mind at all? You know, not, not a ton. I mean, I think that um, maybe a couple times, I mean, we've met more as a league this year with all the issues going on. So we've been in these meetings a lot. You just kind of look around the screen and, you know, you can see, you know, just this, the changing and um, you know, it's, it's, it's changed. I mean, I remember my first head coaches meeting in Hilton Head and um, you walk in there and, and you got Mike Young and you got Steve Forbes and you got Larry Hunter and you got Bob Hoffman. I mean, I felt like a kid, you know, I mean, I just it was it was just kind of like, man, what am I doing in here with these guys? This is this is quite a group here. And, um, you know, so it's the, the, the league has changed. And a lot of it's because of the success of the league and you know, Steve going on to get the Wake Forest job and Coach John going on to get the Virginia Tech job. And, you know, it's 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 been neat to see that the coaching in the league has been noticed 
and rewarded and, and the quality of the basketball in the league, uh, how, how these coaches have put their programs together and the conviction that they've run them with. It's, it's been good to see. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun, man. Like since 2011 to be in this league and to see how it's changing. And, um, I mean, to see the, the ESPN package this year and to see, you know, the, the crowds and environments and, you know, the brand that, that, that has been built in this league. It, it's, it's been pretty neat and uh, fortunate to be a part of it. You know, some news that came out of the NCAA this week, not surprising. I think everyone thought that this is where we were headed, but it became official. And I know your plans are to be in the NCAA tournament uh, with this school for the first time since 1980 when March rolls around. But it's all going to be played in, in, uh, in one central location, multiple venues, uh, but in the state of Indiana surrounding the city of Indianapolis. Uh, again, we knew this was coming. It was made official this week. What were your thoughts? You know, I don't, I don't know, Dan, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about it yet. Um, I guess it makes sense. You know, it's, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm a basketball coach. I just kind of nod my head at this stuff. You know, it's like, okay, yes, sir. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, where are we playing the game? You know, okay. We're playing it. I mean, what time's the game? What do we have to do? What are the protocols we got to follow? Um, we, we just, we want to play. And, um, if it makes sense to do everything in Indianapolis and it's safer and they've got venues and, and it, it makes it to where we can do this successfully, then I'm all for it. And, um, you know, so whatever they decide, I'm, I'm trusting that they've, you know, they've got great leadership and, um, that they'll make, they'll make the safest and most responsible decisions so that we can continue to do what our kids love to do. Yeah. I get the sense that as a basketball coach, if they said you made the NCAA tournament, but you got to play the game in a parking lot somewhere, Fine, let's go, right? Yeah, we'll be there. We, we'll, we'll be there. So it's, uh, it really doesn't matter. It's, uh, we just, we just want to have the opportunity to be able to do it. And um, obviously, again, it's got to be safe and it's, it's got to, you know, we've got to be responsible with it. But I, uh, I trust that's taking place. Final thing coming up, I know you've been very uh, proactive about trying to, to promote this program to fans. Uh, and the COVID protocols have not given us a great opportunity to get a bunch of fans in Timmins Arena like we normally would. But the opportunities are coming for that to happen beginning January 16th, uh, if everything comes off okay. When we play ETSU downtown at the well, uh, about 4,000 fans can get in there uh, per game and, and the way they've got the thing seated now. And um, I, I know it's important for you and for this basketball team to have fans in the stands you, you want to put this team on display in front of as many people as you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's, like I said, I mean, we want as many people there in a responsible, safe fashion as possible. Um, and, and whatever that looks like, it's, um, you know, that that's what I trust our administration to sort out. And, you know, while we're trying to figure out ball screen coverages, we'll, we'll let them figure <laughs> out, you know, the rest of this stuff. And uh, it, it just, it is, Dan. I mean, I, I, I miss it. I mean, I get it. You know, I understand it. But um, when I'm watching our games from last year in preparation for our games this year, it's like, you know, you get a little bit of a stomachache because you just you just miss that environment, you know. And, and I know some of our guys are missing it, you know, and just just having that having that boost and having that energy and having that environment. But we got to get through this. And so whatever we have to do, you know, to to ensure a safe environment, then that's that's what we're going to do. Well, Bob, as always, we appreciate the time. It's been, as it uh, 
usually is when we get together on these podcasts. Uh, fun to see what's going on inside the basketball program. Appreciate your candor and look forward to talking to you uh, again uh, on Saturday when we uh, get together for the game against VMI. And that'll take care of this edition, this episode, episode 48 of the All Den Podcast. Paladins do entertain VMI 2 o'clock on Saturday, 1.30 airtime on ESPN Upstate with Tom Van Hoy and me. Look forward to having you on board for that. And, uh, boy, then we start looking ahead. A week from Saturday is that first weekend at the Well Basketball Game. Tickets are on sale at FermanPaladins.com, both four-game packages and now single-game tickets as well. So check that out at FermanPaladins.com. Listen, thank you for your attention. We will see you again in a couple of weeks for another edition of the All Den Podcast. Until then, for Bob Ritchie and all of us at Furman, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you. So long, everybody, and thank you for being All Den. All Den.